Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast dedicated to chronicling the years 1990 through 1999, with the exception of this week. Connor is on a bit of a mini honeymoon. He is a married man now, and he has traveled off to the land of Home Alone 2. That's right, Connor is lost in New York. Hopefully not actually lost because he's got a cell phone, and it's the year 2017. Being lost, being 29, shouldn't be an issue. He sent me a message this morning, actually. He was eating bagels in a park with his new wife, Talia, where they saw Adam Sandler playing some basketball. That's that's pretty cool, I think. So we will be back next week with your regularly scheduled podcast. We may cover two weeks. We may cover two years. We haven't actually had time to discuss it yet. It's It's been that busy. But I have decided to throw in a little bit of a spotlight, I guess, just something to fill this week in while we take the week off. So as I mentioned before, Ants and A Bug's Life were in the box office around the same time in 1998, and that was actually a common theme throughout the 90s. We've mentioned how there's movies like Deep Impact and Armageddon, Twister, Tornado, and of course these two, Ants and A Bug's Life. So I want to do a little bit more research. The following is more or less lifted from Wikipedia. So yeah, first we're going to do a bit of a refresher, since you may not exactly remember what happened in these films. I know it's been a while since I've seen them, so it's nice to have. In Ants, we've got an anthill with millions of inhabitants. Z4195, or Z for short, is a worker ant, feeling insignificant in a conformity system. He accidentally meets the beautiful Princess Bala, who has a similar problem on the other end of the social scale. In order to try to meet her again, Z switches sides with his soldier friend Weaver, only to become a hero in the course of events that unfold. By this, he unwillingly crosses the sinister plans of the ambitious General Mandible, who, by the way, is Bala's fiancé, who wants to divide ant society into a superior strong race, soldiers, and an inferior to be eliminated race, the workers. But Bala and Z, both unaware of the dangerous situation, try to leave the oppressive system by heading for Insectopia, a place where food paves the streets. Sounds, Sounds nice. In A Bug's Life, at an annual pace, a huge colony of ants is forced to collect every piece of food that grows on their island for a group of menacing grasshoppers, keeping very little for themselves. But all that changes when a misfit inventor ant named Flick accidentally knocks over the offering, uh, thus forcing the grasshopper's devious leader hopper to force the ants to redo their gathering of food in much less time, of course leaving nothing for themselves. Despite the fact that his friends don't believe him, and desperate to help save the colony, Flick volunteers to go out into the world and search for a group of warrior bugs. Instead, what he gets is a talented group of circus performers. When the grasshoppers return and take control of the island, Flick must prove himself a true hero before it's too late. Okay, yeah, definitely a good refresher to have, I think. And you can definitely see a lot of parallels between the films here. And why is that? So diving in, in 1988... Disney was pitched to develop a movie called Army Ants. It's about a pacifist worker ant teaching lessons of independent thinking to his militaristic colony. Years later, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was then the chairman of Disney's film division, had left the company in a feud with CEO Michael Eisner over the vacant president position left after the death of Frank Wells. Jeffrey formed DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen and planned to rival Disney with the company's new animation division. Katzenberg pursued undeveloped concepts and brought them to DreamWorks. He suggested uh, or was involved with while he was at Disney, including presumably the concept of army ants. 
DreamWorks then contracted Pacific Data Images, PDI, in Palo Alto, California, to begin working on computer-animated films to rival Pixar's features. Pixar director John Lasseter, Steve Jobs, yes, that's Steve Jobs, and others at Pixar were dismayed to learn from trade papers that PDI's first project at DreamWorks would be another ant film to be called Ants. By this time, Pixar's project, similarly called Bugs, was well known within the animation community. In general, both ants and a bug's life, as we mentioned, center on a young male ant, a drone with oddball tendencies, who struggles to win a princess's hand and save the society. It was clear that Laster and Jobs both believed that their idea was stolen by Katzenberg. Katzenberg had stayed in touch with Lasseter after the split with Disney, often calling to check up. In October of 95, when Lasseter was overseeing post-production work on Toy Story at the Universal lot, uh, which is also where DreamWorks was located, Lasseter and Andrew Stanton visited Katzenberg, where they discussed their plans for A Bug's Life in detail. Lasseter respected Katzenberg's judgment and felt comfortable using him as a sounding board for creative ideas. Lasseter had high hopes for Toy Story, and he was telling friends throughout the tight-knit computer animation business to get cracking on their own films. To quote him, If this hits, it's going to be like space movies after Star Wars for computer animation companies. Uh, he told this to various friends. Quote, I should have been wary, Lasseter later recalled. Jeffrey kept asking questions about when It, A Bug's Life, would be released. Lasseter, when he found out, grimly relayed the news of Ants to Pixar employees, but kept morale high. Privately, Lasseter told other executives that he and Andrew Stanton felt terribly let down. Katzenberg was angered by the fact that Eisner had scheduled A Bug's Life to open the same week as The Prince of Egypt, which was then intended to be DreamWorks' first animated release. So what he did then was move the opening of Ants from spring 1999 to October 1998 to compete directly with Pixar's release. David Price wrote in his 2008 book The Pixar Touch that a rumor, quote, never confirmed, was that Katzenberg had given PDI rich financial incentives to induce them to do whatever it would take to have ants ready first despite Pixar's head start. Steve Jobs was furious, and he called Katzenberg and began yelling. Katzenberg made an offer. He would delay production of ants if Jobs and Disney would move a bug's life so that it didn't compete with the Prince of Egypt. Jobs believed it a blatant extortion attempt and would not go for it, explaining that there was nothing he could do to convince Disney to change the date. Katzenberg casually responded that Jobs himself had taught him how to conduct similar business long ago, explaining that Jobs had come to Pixar's rescue by making the deal for Toy Story, as Pixar was nearly bankrupt at the time. As the release dates for both films approached, Disney executives concluded that Pixar should keep silent on the DreamWorks battle. Regardless, Lasseter publicly dismissed Ants as a schlock version of A Bug's Life. Lasseter, who claimed to have never seen Ants, told others that if DreamWorks and PDI had made the film about anything other than insects, he would have closed Pixar for the day so that the entire company could go see it. Jobs and Katzenberg would not back down on the rivaling Ant films, and it provoked a press frenzy, with Steve Jobs quoting, The bad guys rarely win to the Los Angeles Times. Despite the box office success of both Ants and A Bug's Life, tensions would remain high between Jobs and Katzenberg for many years. And although the contention left all parties estranged, Pixar and PDI employees kept up old friendships that had arisen from spending a long time together in computer animation. So there is a bit of a silver lining, despite the rivalry, despite the fight, at least friendships from those doing a lot of work in the actual animation were able to keep up their friendships. And, you know, I think that's a nice happy ending to that story. And both movies, I think both movies brought something 
good to film. I liked them both as a kid. If I revisited them again now, I might feel the same way. They are both very good kids' movies, and of course, Pixar is awesome, and even DreamWorks. They have made some really good movies, so I'm glad both of these companies do exist, despite despite a less than ideal start for, for DreamWorks. So anyway, that concludes our mini, not so mini spotlight. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled podcast. We'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do for that. Uh, but in the meantime, the pod, you know what? I'm not going to say it this week without Connor. Let's just uh, wish him well on his honeymoon. And yeah, and we'll see you around on Stuck in the 90s.